as you watch that, I hope you felt something, you saw something, obviously, and I also hope that you experienced a feeling that rises up inside of you when you see something like that, because that feeling is called passion. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to share about something God's been sharing with me for the last few weeks. There are two scriptures only. Um, the first one is in Matthew chapter 11, if you go there. Um, the focus of both of these scriptures is what I would call uh, the word passion, that feeling, um, and it's that feeling that energizes your life. So if you want the name of the teaching, I've called it Energize Your Life. I don't care what you call it. Um, first scripture, Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, and you heard me preach on it before. Matthew 11, verse 12, for the, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violence take it by force. Uh, the Passion Translation, because some of you are reading that one, <clears throat> from the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth, and passionate people have taken hold of its power. And that's the key I want to talk about. Passionate people take hold of and move in the power of God. So we want to talk about that passion you felt when you watched that video on the healing of the leper. Um, if you go back to the English Standard Version, which is one I usually preach from, the word violent, the violent take it by force, it's translated passionate in the, um, the Passion Translation. It has a number of meanings. If you'd like to write them down, I won't go too fast. It means to be aggressive means to be enthusiastic, and if you don't know it, enthusiastic comes from two words, on theos, which means in God, and you are in God, you are a new creature in Christ. It means energetic, it means excited, it means active, it means participating in, engaged, anticipating, expectant and embracing so the verse is saying that as disciples you cannot be passive we cannot be passive and be part of the powerful and active kingdom of God which is forever growing and expanding so passive people cannot be part of the kingdom's growth or the kingdom's expansion here's our problem church as we know it today, tends to be passive. You come, you sit, you listen, you learn information, you take notes, you leave, and you forget about it all. That's passive. Church as part of the kingdom was meant to be active so that it could be powerful, so powerful that we rush the gates to hell and they cannot prevail against us or they cannot stand the assault. When we attack hell, hell quivers and then the gates fall. So I asked the Lord recently, what is the opposite to passive? Now driving to Manitoba when I'm asking this, so I had six and a half hours to think about it. What's the opposite to passive? And I'm thinking that the answer should be active, passive, active. 
But in some side, something inside said that that wasn't right. And so when I got to Manitoba, um, I was still thinking about it, and the Lord said the opposite to passive is passionate. Violent, aggressive, enthusiastic, expectant, anticipating, <coughs> hung, hungry. There's all sorts of words for it. We're approaching Christmas. Somebody just had a Christmas banquet already in November. Um, the, the Father loved us so much, God was so passionate about us, that he sent his only son to be one of us and to die for us. The Christmas story is a story of passion. It's a passionate thing. Jesus loved us so much, so passionate about us, that he willingly died on the cross for us. And that's the Easter story. That wasn't passive, it's passionate. And in response, you were to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. So we are to be deeply in love with him. That's not passive. That's passionate. And we must be passionate about two things, him. And if we are passionate about him, we're passionate about his cause. And so what is his cause? We know all this. It's to seek and save the lost, Luke 19, 10. His cause is to go and make disciples in all nations, Matthew 28, 19. His cause is that the gospel of the king would be, kingdom would be heard in every people group in the world. One of the guys that goes with me, he's been to Turkey, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, where else, Russia, uh, Jeremy from Ohio, now lives in Maryland. He and his new wife have just returned from Papua New Guinea, where she grew up as a missionary's daughter, and they were there to, be, to present the Bible in the language of one of the tribes that's never seen their written language in the Bible. Never had a Bible in their own language. Wow. And he flew all the way to Papua New Guinea and spent two weeks of his holidays just to do that. So there's a cause that we live for. We don't just be passionate about Jesus. If we're passionate about Jesus, then we have to be passionate about his cause. And so we're to live lives of passion. That was a good place that you missed to say something. Okay. If you want to know what you're passionate about, there's a pile of ways to find out. What do you sing about? What do you cry about? What do you dream about? What do you spend time thinking about? What do you talk about? What do you spend time doing? The answer to those questions tell you, tell us, what you're passionate about. And as Christians, disciples, followers, believers, we must have a deep passion for Jesus. We have to be passionate about him, about his cause, about his kingdom, and the church. Here's what I discovered. I work with believers. I don't work with non-believers. I work with believers. Believers seldom talk about Jesus because we're not passionate about him. The focus in life is themselves, and so their conversation is about self. Listen to believers talk. They talk about their life, their issues, their desires, their needs, their ministry, their health, their medicines, their finances, their job, their family, their wife, their husband, their kids. Believers get wrapped up and are passionate about video games, Hockey teams, the Grey Cup, pet peeves, pet doctrines. You can add your focus to the list. 
When you fall in love with someone or something, that becomes your total focus. I've been married 44 years. I remember falling in love with my wife. It was my total focus. It almost cost me my job. You're always talking about him or her or it, whatever you're in love with, whatever your focus is. You engage it. You embrace it. Am I right? So the opposite to passive is not active. It's passionate, which would lead you to action. So if you want to know what your passion is, if I wanted to know what your passion is, I would look at three things. Number one, and you might want to write them down. What, it, what are your priorities in life? What are your priorities? So I just spent a weekend in Manitoba and I talked to a whole pile of people and here are the priorities that people had. Bodybuilding, the Grey Cup, or a winning team, because Winnipeg, um, making money, being safe and secure, video games, and being noticed, or, sorry, having ministry. You prioritize your life according to your passion. So if Jesus is your passion, then time with him, time in his word, the Bible would be a daily priority which you would cherish and look forward to. Most Christians don't cherish or look forward to their time in the Bible. It's boring for most of them. Okay, second question you could ask, what do you protect? What do you protect? Because you protect what you value, you protect what is most important to you. And normally, if you, per, if you have something that you value, you even find friends to help you protect it and guard it. There are two kinds of friends, the fire lighters who help you keep your passion burning, and the fire fighters who are constantly negative and trying to put your fire out. So if you have a passion, you want to protect it, then you avoid fire fighters who try to extinguish your passion. So what do you protect? Time on your video games, coffee with your friend, time alone with a good novel. What do you protect? There's a third question. What are you pursuing? We're trying to determine what your priorities are, what your passion is. What are you pursuing? What are you chasing after? What are you committed to? What does the majority of your free time get spent? Where does the majority of your free time get spent? Now, as a preacher, I would recommend that you make Jesus your focus and your passion, of course. And you'll know he's your passion if, number one, you prioritize your life according to him, you protect what you are passionate about, and it's him, and your time with him, and you pursue that passion, which is pursuing Jesus and the kingdom. <coughs> so I believe God is saying we need to get our priorities straight. And we don't get our priorities straight till we get our passion straight. Okay, second scripture. Romans chapter 12. There's only the two scriptures. Romans chapter 12.
verse 11. The ESV version, do not be slothful in zeal. There's a word we don't use very often, slothful. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. <clears throat> the message version, which also lit up for me years ago, don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled and aflame. Be alert, servants of the Master, cheerfully expectant. Passion Translation, Romans 12, verse 11. Be enthusiastic <coughs> to serve the Lord. Keep your passion towards him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. So the key words there, of course, would be keeping your passion towards him boiling hot. That's your responsibility, not mine for you. It's not the church's responsibility towards you. It's not his responsibility to have that happen in you. You are to keep yourself fueled and aflame. It's your responsibility, not mine, not somebody else's. And if you're not keeping yourself fueled and aflame, it's nobody else's fault. So you can't blame anybody either. All right, so why should we keep our passion towards him boiling hot? Because you're a follower of Jesus. That's why a disciple. And number one, and these are important points, passion can and should energize every aspect of your life. Passion can and should energize every aspect of a believer's life. In other words, passion creates energy. A person with limited talent, but with passion, will outperform a passive person who possesses great talent. I'm going to say that one again. A person with very limited talent and ability, but who has great passion, will totally outperform a person who has tremendous talent and no passion. Passion is what makes the difference. Passionate people act with boundless energy and enthusiasm. They just keep going and going and going and going because they have a passion. Passion energizes. Jesus is a good example of that. He's always present. He's always there for you. He's always connecting, engaging, embracing. He puts in long days with people, being his constant focus, and they have constant demands, and that must be very draining. He gets up the next morning and he's got just as much energy again. Uh, Jesus reminds me of the Energizer Bunny. He just keeps going and going and going and going. So my point is, number one, passion energizes. Number two, passion is the first step towards achieving something. Being passionate Loving what you do is key to being active and engaged in your life. People who are passionate find fulfillment, personal fulfillment. People who are passionate are consistent. People who are passionate are faithful. People who are f passionate are fruitful and productive. If you want to follow Jesus, you need a desire. And passion gives you that desire. Does that make sense? Another step. If you have desire, then you will have discipline to spend time with him, spend time in his word. So I'm going to say that again. You need passion because passion brings achievement. 
Passion brings that desire to follow him. The desire brings the discipline. And what our problem is, is that we fight to get the discipline. And that's not really the first step. The first step is passion. Passion brings desire. Desire brings discipline. So we're fighting the thing from the back end up instead of the front end down. And when you don't have passion, it shows. When your spiritual life is passive um, and lacks zeal or fire, you have this calm expectancy. You won't be boiling hot. People will notice. Jesus had passion. And Jesus achieved a great deal. His passion gave him purpose and gave him a reason for being here. He was passionate about seeking and saving the lost, so he achieved his purpose and died on the cross. Okay, thirdly, passion increases your willpower. So I gave you three questions. What do you sing about? What do you cry about? And what do you dream about? What do you sing about? And what do you cry about are the things that touch you deeply in your heart. What do you dream about is talking about your tomorrow. When you're passionate about something, you will accomplish it. So passion increases your willpower. Your stay with it that you need. When you're passionate about something, you will not give up on it. Amen? However, whatever you are passionate about needs to be discovered. And most people do not know what they're passionate about. Everyone possesses passion for something, for someone, but not everybody takes the time to discover what their passion is. They're too busy living life. So passion is the fuel for your will your willpower. It keeps your engine fueled. Passion turns your have-tos into want-tos. Jesus knew his passion, and it fueled his life, his entire life, and his ministry. And it gave him what he needed to keep going. How do I know that? Because at age 12, he said, I must be about my father's business. He knew his purpose, and he had a passion for it. Number four, passion produces physical, emotional, mental energy. Physical, emotional, mental energy. When you have passion, you become energized. Perseverance is the key word here. Deep inside of you, if you have passion, you'll have the thing that's necessary to keep you going when the going gets tough. I watch Esther, um, who's my daughter, of course, and she's writing books, and she keeps sending them off to get published, and they keep getting rejected, which is very normal for a new publisher, trying, new author trying to get into the publishing world. But she has perseverance, because she has a passion to write. Mm -hmm. And that's all I'm saying, is that passion produces either physical, emotional, or mental, or all three energy that keeps you focused and keeps you going in the direction you need to go. Without passion, 
Everything becomes dull, boring, difficult, and long. So some people say they feel burnt out. The truth is they particularly probably were not on fire in the first place, so you can't burn out if you've never been on fire. Either that or they let their fire go out. I recently, as you know, entered my 51st year of preaching and teaching. Teaching and preaching can become fairly mundane and fairly boring. I can do it with my eyes shut. I produce something new every week, sometimes twice a week, sometimes three times a week. But I have to keep myself stirred up and aflame. I'm teaching myself here. You've got to keep putting fuel on the fire. You have to have passion for the person I'm talking about, who's Jesus. If you don't have this passion, then you may end up like the person whose tombstone read, died at 30, buried at 60. Norman Cousins, who's a good author, says, death isn't the greatest loss in life. The greatest loss is what dies inside of us while we live. So without a passion, part of you becomes dead. Jesus had passion. He had physical, emotional, and spiritual, and mental energy. He was alive all the time. Okay, got two or three more. Number five, passion is the foundation of purpose. <coughs> Out of passion comes purpose. Martin Luther King Jr. said, if a man hasn't discovered something he will die for, something he has passion for, he isn't fit to live. So when you have passion, you have purpose. Passion for Jesus means you have a purpose in life, and that's to glorify God and honor Jesus in everything you do. If you have passion for Jesus, that means you have a purpose, which is to seek and save the lost. If you have passion for Jesus, means your purpose is to expand his kingdom. If you have passion for Jesus, it means his purpose is to obey everything he asks you to do. Jesus loved the Father. Jesus had passion for the Father. And so he knew his purpose early in life. Two more good ones. Number six, passion removes impossible. When something fires up your soul, impossible disappears. Because with God, all things are possible. Matthew nineteen twenty six, Or in the Passion Version, what seems impossible to you is never impossible to God. Jesus so overcame every obstacle on his way to the cross, including his own will in the Garden of Gethsemane. Nothing was impossible for him. And then number seven, passion makes a person contagious. People don't follow passive people. Passive people don't engage life, and therefore they're boring, lifeless, and draining. And they're not contagious. People are not attracted to passive people. People are attracted to passionate people. If you're on fire for something, it attracts people. Someone, I don't know who, said, you cannot kindle a fire in any other heart unless it, until it burns within your own. And Jesus was seriously contagious. Okay. People 
are instructed by reason. So I sit here, I teach your head, you take notes, your mind is encouraged, informed. Okay. But people are inspired by passion because it touches your heart. That's why I showed you the video. It touched your heart. And if it didn't, there's something wrong. Because I've seen it numerous times and I still cry through it. Jesus was seriously contagious and the thing that was contagious about him was his whole life. He was just passionate about everything. So the opposite to passive is passion. Church attendees, church believers, church people are passive by their very nature because we've created them that way. Sit down, shut up, listen, we're the experts. However, a disciple isn't passive. A disciple is always passionate. Peter, before the resurrection, was passive. Peter, after the resurrection, was passionate. Paul said, and I don't remember, oh, I do remember where, 2 Corinthians 5. Um, Paul says in one version, I am compelled. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11. In the other version I read, it's com the word is compelled, which I like because it means driven, forced out, pushed out, shoved. 2 Corinthians 5 in the Passion Version, verse 11. Since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord, we make it our passion to persuade others to turn to him. As soon as you catch this idea of passion as being the opposite to passive, you'll see the word passion shows up everywhere. It's like you didn't notice a red car till you bought one. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. So... So we should have passion because passion energizes our lives. Amen? Mm -hmm.